listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City Engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. Rain gardens, they're green, beautiful, and help our infrastructure. But if you've never built one, have one, or even know of how to make it happen in your yard, it can be hard to understand the benefits. So today, we're going to spell it all out for you. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer, and today I'm joined by Engineer Phil Gabler and Engineering's Greenway Vegetation Coordinator, Maddie Dumas. So let's get started with both of you explaining your role here in engineering for our listeners. Uh, Maddie, your position was created in 2018, so you get us started. Tell us what you do day to day. I have a great job. Um, Primarily, (laughs) I work on um, improving the quality of the vegetation on our ponds and greenways. Um, So that would mean increasing biodiversity on the sites, increasing um, uh, preventing erosion by, you know, filling in plants, um, and trying to provide better habitat for pollinators and other wildlife and improve the aesthetics. Yeah, I do a lot of stormwater design and stormwater review of others' plants. And so a lot of it, I'm building the canvas on which uh, Maddie will then come in and paint with plants. Awesome. Oh, I like that, painting with plants. (laughs) Um, Can you also explain, Phil, from a rain garden perspective, what exactly you do to kind of push forward on that? Yeah, so on that, I I help design rain gardens. Um, I also work with our friends groups and just in general promoting rain gardens. I've been part of uh, some workshops to help people do very detailed plans. And all of this kind of runs underneath our stormwater permit where we have a a goal to educate the general residents of Madison on how they can uh, be better stormwater stewards. Yes, yes, yes. And part of that is explaining what the benefits of rain gardens are. So from both of your perspectives, Why should we be thinking about a rain garden if we've never thought of that before? So rain gardens are a way that they can make our urban landscape, after we've built homes and roads and everything, function a little bit more like it did before there was development. As you build, you get more runoff, and it comes off the landscape faster. So rain gardens slow that water down, give it a chance to soak into the ground, replenish the shallow groundwater and occasionally the deep groundwater, and then they also provide a chance to filter out some of the sediment and other pollutants that get picked up in the water. Hmm. What about for you, Maddie? What are some of the benefits for, of rain gardens? Well, the thing that's my favorite thing about rain gardens um, are the habitat that they can provide. Uh, the vast majority of the green space uh, in urban areas tends to be lawn, Kentucky bluegrass, um, and there are a lot of other species that require um, nectar and habitat that just can't be provided by lawn grasses. So rain gardens can really help provide those benefits. We like to think of rain gardens as being um, beneficial on multiple levels. Um, you can do a rain garden that's super wild, really large, full of a uh, wide diversity of native plants. Um, and you can do everything right, leave it up all year long, um, cut the vegetation back in the spring so you provide winter habitat and seed for birds Um, or you could keep it really clean and tidy and you're still providing a lot of habitat so at multiple levels you can um, work to provide habitat and and beautify our city. 
So say I'm a resident and I want a rain garden, but don't know where to start. So walk me through a simple process and what I need to get started. What are some topics that we got to think of, you know, location, plant size, maintenance, all of those things. Um, where do we get started? All right. So if you look at your lot as your kind of your plan space, you have to look at where, where are you getting your water from? In a residential area, that's usually a downspout. It's taking all this roof water and concentrating it into one small little pipe. It's a great place to look at. You also want to look at your soils, right? Do you have really clay soils or really sandy soils? Hmm. How fast do they drain? That impacts how big and how deep you want to have your rain garden. And then you have to worry about the utilities and other things in your yard, right? You don't want to dig somewhere where you have a gas line or electric or cable. There's lots of people sharing the space. So we have to understand where those things are. So what we should call a digger's hotline also. D digger's hotline before you dig in your yard, right? Before. Keyword before. They'll come out and they'll spray paint it up and, you know, make your yard look kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> for a day or two. Uh, yeah. So when you, once you have those things figured out, you want to look at what's how much roof area or driveway you're going to be able to put to your rain garden. And you want that rain garden to be 10 feet away from your house. And then also keep about, for every 10 square feet of roof, you want to have one square foot of rain garden. Hmm. And you're like, well, how do I know how big my roof is? Our friends at Google, right? If you just right click <laughs> in your map space, it'll let you measure something and you can measure this out. I think other web browsers and maps can do this as well. This is not a pitch for Google. <laughs> but it is helpful, because it's, and it's free. You just go out there, you Google it, you can measure it. Right, Easy so if you look it. at this, you get your area that's drained into it, you have your, your size of your pipe, which is your downspout, you then have that 10 to one ratio, and you look at your soils. If you have really, really clay soils, you want your garden to be less deep. Sand your soils, it can be more deep, and then look out for utilities. You'll then get a pretty small garden, and you can, then, you know, you've, you've got a rough idea where it's going to go. And then you have to pick out your plants. And now Maddie's going to tell us Which about that. Which is the fun part. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so when you're considering your plants, there's a, a lot of things to think about. Um, we always recommend using native plants because they're well adapted to Wisconsin's climate and insect pests. Um, a lot of native plants also have the advantage of having really deep roots that open up uh, pockets of air in the soil so water can infiltrate faster. Um, but obviously there's a wide variety of native plants, so you'll want to take your time. Um, we've got a great resource on the City of Madison Engineering uh, website. We have native plant lists that are um, specifically designed for rain gardens. Um, a lot of native plant nurseries and plant sales around town will help you with that as well. Yeah, will um, they know what we're asking for if we say native plants? If this isn't something in our realm, we go to a, a greenhouse or we go somewhere that knows about plants, we can say, I'm looking for native plants. Will you help me? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. A nursery should know uh, what plants uh, were adapted to the Wisconsin climate and what plants, uh, you know, grew up here. So things to think about um, as well would be the height of these plants. You know, maybe you want a little extra privacy. Some of our prairie plants can grow 10 feet tall. That might be a great extra screening for you. You know, maybe you don't because you live on a corner and you, you want to be able to see your, everything in your neighborhood. Um, you can also think about um, bloom time, pollinators really need nectar in the early spring, so it's nice if you can have flowers that bloom early, um, and then keep those blooms going all summer long. Have mid-blooming and late-blooming plants as well, just to keep it colorful. 
some native plants can be somewhat aggressive. So you want to choose carefully so you get a wide variety and you don't have one rain garden dominated with just one plant. Okay, we like a variety. And so does the environment and all of our pollinator friends. Yes. Yes. One other fun <laughs> thing on the plant end of this is that uh, the county and the city is part of this group that has a plant sale once a year. It's called uh, Plant Dane. And you can go to the Ripple Effects website and find that. And there you can get plants for $2.25 per plant, which is a pretty good deal if you look at what you'll spend at a nursery. The only problem is you have one day to pick them up, and you have to get your order form in pretty quick. So you have to be thinking about that now sure, to get the deal. Sure. So ripple-effects.com. Uh, Okay, and there's a bunch. It sounds like there's, you know, there's a lot to it. Like, you know, you want to make sure you're planning for your rain garden. You want to um, make sure you have the right size, the right location, the right plants. What happens if you don't follow those rules? Is there like, like, why should we follow those rules? What can happen? Like, I think we've talked about this a little bit, Phil. Where you know, it could be if you do it wrong. Yep. I guess to, to say it bluntly, nope, we don't nope. want to do it that way. We want to follow the rules. We want to make sure that we're not putting it in the wrong location. Or... Rain garden pitfalls. You're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's say you didn't follow any of my advice that I just <laughs> talked about, and you built a really big rain garden right next to your foundation, over your sewer lateral, right next to a tree, and made it three <laughs> feet deep. Right. You've essentially put a swimming pool next to the foundation of your house. That water is going to soak into the ground and it's going to pool next to your foundation. If your foundation isn't perfectly watertight, and even if it normally is, you are now going to get seepage into your basement. You might also get seepage into your sewer lateral, which takes the water to the wastewater treatment plant. Hmm. Right? Now you take clean rainwater that was going to go into the ground, into the groundwater, or into the lake, and now we're going to send it to the wastewater treatment plant, where it has to go through a very energy-intensive process and then get pumped down essentially to Stoughton. Uh, <laughs> so you, you got to follow a few of the basic rules. That 10-foot buffer is probably the most expensive. Mm -hmm. If you're a little bit too deep or a little bit too shallow, you, know, you might get a slightly different plant community. Sure. But as long as your garden can drain in 24 hours, mm -hmm. you should be able to keep something alive in there. Okay. I just want to make sure and also support what you guys just said is listen to what they're saying. They know what they're talking about. And try to follow a little bit of the rules. Obviously, you can get creative with your rain garden, which is a beautiful thing about it. But um, you don't want to do it wrong, and you don't want to create any of the pool next to, your, um, next to your foundation. So residents come into contact with rain gardens a number of ways. We have the rain garden program, terrace rain garden program. What else? And explain the difference of these. So engineering has an overarching initiative to encourage residents to install rain gardens. It helps us, it helps pollinators, um, as we've explained. But we have a specific program called the Terrace Rain Garden Program that you may be able to participate in if you live on a street that's uh, scheduled for reconstruction and your terrace meets certain size and, and other specifications. The city uh, may be able to install a terrace rain garden for you uh, with a curb cut to allow water that's flowing down the street to be diverted into your rain garden. That would obviously only apply during street reconstruction, but we have lots of resources for anyone who's interested in installing a rain garden anywhere else on their property. We also have a program that's encouraging people to let us know if they've put a rain garden in their yard or on their private property. And with that, you know, it's essentially just sending an email to either myself or Carissa Wagner mm -hmm. at the City of Madison, and we'll put it on a map, and we're kind of just tracking how, how many people are out there doing this, and 
We're also looking at ways to further incentivize this. We're doing a pilot project with the U.S. Geological Survey to see when we can see the aggregated impact of all these better stormwater management practices, you know, under the green infrastructure umbrella, and say, when does it change the way that water runs off of our landscape? Uh, so when a resident or if a resident's listening to this, the Terrace Rain Garden Program, they'll find out about that if, if their terrace in front of their home is um, you know, fitting for a rain garden on that fact sheet um, and the letters that go out when you're impacted by reconstruction project. And then what Phil's talking about, all you have to do is just let us know about the rain garden and you can learn about it. Um, so just email engineering. You could do engineer at cityofmadison.com or Phil or Carissa, like he mentioned. So I'll also include that in the blurb that goes with this podcast. Uh, you know, how much does this cost? We've talked about all of these different little things about rain gardens, and I want to get to rain barrels before we run out of time, but before that, how much does it cost? Can you create a rain garden under a hundred bucks, or is this expensive? Absolutely. So at its most basic, a rain garden is a hole with some plants in it. So for most people, the, your biggest expense will be your plants. You can hire a landscaping company to install for you. That's going to run you a lot higher. But if you want to do it yourself and you're, you're willing or able to do the digging, um, uh, you've got your hole, and then you just need to find your plants. Phil already mentioned Plant Dane is a really good resource for affordable rain garden plants. You could also source plants from a local nursery, or you could ask a friend who already has a rain garden. Um, you want to be a little bit careful because we do have jumping worm in Madison, which is an invasive worm that can be spread through soil. Um, mm -hmm. So a way to avoid doing that would be to source um, a friend with native rain garden plants and collect seed in the fall. They're really easy to propagate yourself. You can throw them out and just any container that you want, leave them on your porch over winter, and uh, that cold weather is all that those plants need to, to germinate, and you'll have seedlings in no time. And then when you think of each seedling being $2.25, you feel really rich. <laughs> yes, My yes. rain garden makes me money. Yes. You have a rain garden, don't you, Phil? I do have a rain garden, and I built my rain garden for about $100. I did dig it all myself, designed it myself, and got the plants through Plant Dane. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest cost was a couple bags of compost and a couple bags of mulch, minus no. the plants. The plants were the biggest cost. Yeah. But uh, the other thing on this is if... You feel like you're ready to do this and you're someone who wants to do it yourself, right? There's a rain garden workshop that is held once a year through the Ripple Effects group. And there you go through with your an aerial photo of your property and you leave that day with a designed rain garden that you can then build. And if you go to that workshop, we let you participate in a little pilot project where we'll come pick up your excess soil. Because that is something we hear is like, what do I do with the six wheelbarrows full of dirt <laughs> that I can't squirrel away in my yard? Yeah. This time we'll give you a, a Kevlar bag and you can put it on the terrace and we'll come pick it up at no charge. But we're not ready to expand that citywide. So we're kind of, if you go to the workshop, then you get to, you get to participate in that. Sure. And those are all really good resources. There are also some hand, um, there's some like guides, there's homeowner guides, there's um, lists of plants, there's all sorts of different things on the engineering website as well. So you have that ripple-effects.com, Plant Dane, um, City Engineering, all of those um, resources you can actually click to right now. Um, before we go, and this will be our wrap-up, uh, rain gardens and rain barrels, um, I guess, yeah. Can you kind of shed some light on that? What are they? What What are the benefits of that? I guess we won't go as in-depth for rain barrels, but I guess how can people be using those? 
A rain bale is a really great option if you have a smaller yard. Maybe you don't have room for a rain garden, or if you just want to expand your um, your stormwater uh, saving capacity. A rain barrel takes water. It will direct from your downspout directly into a barrel, which you can then attach a hose to and use to water your plants. It's great because it takes water that would normally go into our stormwater system, but it also provides you with really nice clean water to water your garden with. City water actually has additives um, that make it a little harder for um, your garden plants to absorb minerals from the soil, so rainwater is a really good alternative. Anything else you want to add about rain barrels, rain gardens, resources, anything else? I think there's a really nice resource that the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources put together in 2018 it was published and it is essentially a, a guide and a standard for building rain gardens. It's a great resource you can just do a internet search for it and it'll pop right up and that's, that goes through most of what we talked today and puts it down on, on paper. Um, one other nice thing you can do if you have a rain barrel that's upstream of your rain garden, right? <laughs> you can have all the overflow once the barrel's full go into your rain garden. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a dry spell, you water your rain garden with your rain barrel and you never have to use any city water. And you are just an awesome steward of our watershed by having both. Yeah, and it's a good place for public art. Uh, yes, there, yes, yes, all of the things. Why should, why should somebody listening, I feel like you have a good pitch in you, Maddie. One last pitch. Why should people, you know, look into rain gardens, look into rain barrels? One last hoorah, and we'll wrap up. Rain gardens are beautiful. <laughs> rain gardens provide habitat for all of the pollinators, the beautiful butterflies, the birds that you love to look at. They're interesting in all the seasons. In winter, you can look out your window and see bobbing heads of your native prairie plants. In spring and summer, you'll have beautiful flowers. And it's a great way to help our stormwater management system. They're also really kind of one of the more interactive gardens you have, right? They, they do things. They, they do work. They fill up with water, then the water goes away, and they kind of change throughout the seasons and depending on the weather. So, you know, they're a really interesting accent feature in a garden or in a yard. Well, you heard it here. Go to the engineering website. Go to rippleeffects.com. Click about uh, rain gardens and put one in this spring. Um, and if you need help along the way, we have all the resources and the people that can help you guide you. Thank you both for being here. For anyone listening, if you have any questions about this topic, please click over to the City of Madison Engineering Facebook page or Twitter. We are here for you always as a resource every day in engineering. <laughs> <laughs>